0: Hi everyone and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, I'm a senior director at CFGI where I help my clients with their most important finance and accounting matters. Today, we're going to be going behind the numbers to understand what matters most in business with my guest, Brett Hickey, who is the founder and chief executive officer of Star Mountain Capital. Brett, welcome to Behind the Numbers.
1: Thanks Dave, pleasure to be
0: here. Uh, We're excited to have you here. Uh, Before we dive in, why don't you just tell the audience briefly a little bit about who you are in Star Mountain Capital.
1: Sure. Uh, Starbound Capital is a specialized asset management firm. We invest exclusively in established small and medium-sized businesses, not in startups, but what we have trademarked and call the growth engine of America. We provide debt capital, equity capital, and we also have a secondary fund division where we will purchase limited partnership interests for people looking for early liquidity in their investments in private companies and private funds. As far as my background personally, uh, a little bit of uh, maybe interesting trivia, perhaps I grew up in a very small town in Northwestern Canada, uh, just under 10,000 people. Uh, worked on the oil rigs for a year, which is how I paid for college. Uh, then I moved to Calgary, where we had our national speed skating team in Canada. I was training uh, with the aspirations of going to the Olympics on the national training team. Ended up flipping my bike on the velodrome got very excited about business transferred to mcgill university and then got recruited to solomon's with barney to work in investment banking in new york city roughly 20 years ago and um, for the last 20 years have been uh, mostly investing in and helping grow uh, private companies across the u.s
0: That's great stuff, and some good fun facts, which we are going to unpack a little bit later in the conversation, but we do have an audience that consists of business owners and companies that are in, we'll call it, your wheelhouse, so I want to just dig a little deeper in understanding the kinds of companies you serve and the size of investments that you may make, are the particular industries that you focus on, things like that.
1: Yeah, we, what we found, Dave, we, we've taken a data-driven approach, and not all of this has been perfect. It's uh, As you can imagine, over 20 years, there is trial and error. I've learned in life that I try to learn as much as possible from other people and other information. And in, in addition to our 40-person team at Star Mountain Capital, we also have 35 additional senior advisors and operating partners who have been through a lot of their own learnings. Uh, A lot of people talk about the private investment business being an apprenticeship business. So you can't really read in textbooks what is the data and the art, you know, behind investing. You really have to go through a lot of reps, a lot of information, and and really, I guess, the the sort of case study methodology, if you want to think about that in a business school term. So what we have come up with um, in a refined investment strategy is that we've built our specialization in helping grow companies, not start companies. So we're really good at helping build your board, help you think strategically about acquisitions, help you think strategically about how do you build a business that is both the safest and can truly optimize your long-term value. So our team is comprised of private equity experts, credit experts, operating experts for our CEOs of companies, and then investment bankers, people that have have ran uh, many of the largest investment banking, at least divisions uh, across Wall Street to try to bring that large market expertise that Fortune 500 companies can get, hiring Goldman Sachs and McKinsey, try to bring that expertise down to what we think are some very passionate, highly qualified and driven business owners across America. From a numbers perspective, um, we tend to look at companies that have at least 15 million in annual revenues. From an EBITDA standpoint, we usually say 3 to 20 million of EBITDA is the marketplace we'd like to invest in. Big enough to be established, but not so large where they're in the highly efficient capital market system of America.
0: Yeah, let's unpack some of what you just mentioned there, because that's going to be of keen interest to the folks watching and listening what does make a company attractive for investment from your perspective
1: it's it's a it's a great question we we've developed this credit matrix that's quite complex at the end of the day it keeps getting more and more complex which is tough because the usability when you have too much information too much data as you would know it becomes hard to make it usable Uh, but we have really built a refined Screening tool and it starts to you think of the, the proverbial funnel right At the top of the funnel in your analytics It starts with the industry now We have built a team and an investment strategy that you know complements one another So for example, we don't invest in real estate. We don't invest in oil and gas Therefore, none of our team, even though I paid for college, working on the oil drilling rigs, um, that's as far as I go is my one year out in the field, if you will, we don't invest in those sectors. There are other people that can make money that are specialists there, but we really focus on the sectors that tend to have less cyclicality and have some macroeconomic tailwinds. Uh, I've always said in life, it's you wanna have strategies and plans you have to execute well against to do well, not perfectly against to do well, right? Try to time the markets and you look at hedge funds and things like that can be very difficult for them to systematically do well because markets are fickle as we see today is a case in point. And as such, we focus on industries that have that stability. That's really the top of the funnel. Then as we drill down deeper, it gets into things like customers, You wanna have a diverse customer base. You wanna have high quality customers. Your business model, you wanna make sure that you have a business model that is solving some problems. that is adding real value and has at least some level of differentiation, competitive advantages, and ideally some form of barriers to entry relative to competitors. As you get deeper into the business, you start to get into balance sheet related items you know one very simple rule is don't have too much debt on your business because if you do whether it's a pandemic a technology driven 2001 market downturn a i'll call it real estate uh market driven downturn uh, at least you know that was initially incubated from 2008 um, or today's pandemic driven downturn Things happen at macro levels and at idiosyncratic levels to your business. If you keep your debt low and prudent, right, expense management, you can ride through challenges. The reality of building any business, I've grown up in Canada, you know, we love seeing the hockey stick um, business models that of course every entrepreneur has, right? If you weren't excited and invigorated, you wouldn't be an entrepreneur. And we appreciate that. We want people to drive, passion, vision, ambition, but we also want to have that be managed so that you don't have to execute perfectly to be successful. You can weather some challenges. So I think about it as a business that builds more like that as far as being an S that's up and to the right so that when you go through those troughs, you can survive them. Because growing a long-term successful business means capitalizing on the opportunities mitigating the challenges of which you'll have both you know you'll have many of both of those um, therefore keeping your leverage levels prudent is critical um, and i can't stress that enough and it's amazing it amazes me in big and small companies how often people just get that wrong. Um, at Moody's, S and P, other big research firms have done, you know, multi-decade studies, which I'm happy to share with anybody uh, if they would like. That really shows the predictability of you defaulting in your business, um, and the biggest driver is how much leverage you have. When you get deeper into things, where it gets more complex, because you start to get into qualitative. And I know Dave, you and I were talking about this with the talent you know, assessment tools and how can you try to evaluate people better. Um, It is a bit of an art. You can develop metrics around it, which we have, but you really have to get good at understanding and evaluating people because at the end of the day, most businesses, unless it's just a software play and with some, you know, IP, it really comes down to the people. So that's where, you know, really getting to know the people, alignment of interest with your team, The culture of your team. And I think there are many cultures that can be successful, but having a strong, congruent culture so that when you have challenges, your team will rally. For example, at Star Mountain, we won a number of awards around culture. And despite our investment performance and other things being what we're very proud of and how we focus on generating alpha and consistent returns for our investors, um, that tends to be something that we're most proud of is a culture of our business so we've won some cultural awards from pension and investments recently uh, cranes for example and you see it in a downturn like this right we have a pandemic which has impacted a lot of people i'm extremely thankful and proud of our team and how they rallied together pushed together i think one of the reasons is they're all owners every single full time employee at of capital has an ownership stake in the profits of our investments so it's not my business that they're working for. It's our business that we're building together. And I think alignment of interest is a fundamental part of culture, different ways to do it. But I do think culture is critical. So that again, as you have have that hopefully long-term trend up into the right of your growth, but in an S shaped line, you can work through those challenges as a team together and in market downturns, they create opportunities to really capitalize where your competitors often are more challenged. So I'll stop there, Dave, but um, I also can't stress culture enough. Yep. So if people took two th- three things away from this. I'd say one, really research your business plan and continue to refine it because there are businesses that 30 years ago were phenomenal business plans that are not so today. The world is evolving faster than it ever has before with technology and globalization being two drivers. So really make sure you're always thinking about your business plan, your business model, understand your competitors. Two, keep your leverage prudent and low in your business so you can weather storms. Three, continue to focus on invest time, effort, and energy and resources into developing a strong culture. And if you can do those three things well, what we've seen is that your probability of success goes up dramatically.
0: Well, that's gonna be a great sound bite. Uh, Brett, we've gotta take a quick commercial break, but before we do, can you just tell the audience very quickly how they can contact you if they wanna learn more about you or work with you?
1: Sure, uh, best thing is to go to starmountaincapital.com to our website. Uh, if you want to reach out to us for looking at any ways that you can learn more about our business in general, uh, info at star is great that will then feed into whatever it is you're looking for put in the subject line ideally what it is you're interested in capital learning about a business looking for employment so on and so forth that way we can help direct you to the best people at star mountain capital you can also look at our digital media assets on LinkedIn uh, Facebook we have a YouTube channel where we provide a lot of free content for business owners including a CEO interview series that I do
0: Great. Brett, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. We've got to take a quick commercial break, pay a few bills. We'll be right back on behind the numbers.
1: I want to be a contender. I want a warm belly to sleep on.
0: A big house. How do I look? Do do I look good?
1: I want to play hard. My nails done once a month. I want. I want a home. I just want a home. I want someone to love.
0: Last year, more than 30,000 companion animals came to us without homes. 20,000 of them were felines. Let's make some homes together. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Iorio. I'm the host of Rainmaker's Roundup, right here on RVN TV. The show is about looking for people who are in competitive businesses that are doing something different and unique in the world of sales and marketing. Join me right here on Rainmakers Roundup on Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. and then again on Thursday evenings at 6.30 p.m. right here on RVN TV.
1: Today's show is sponsored by Dr. Jacqueline. Take charge of your life personally, financially, and professionally. Visit drjacklin.com to book an appointment today.
0: The session that we had with BCAT was
1: really entertaining and enlightening. We were able to put together some very specific steps that we as individuals can take and it was really fun to all come together and see sort of where we're going as a team and how we can all get there together.
0: tremendous experience with the BCAP partners. One of the challenges that we have as an organization is to make sure that we have the right people in the right chairs doing the right thing. To do that well you have to have synergy. You can try to dream up ways to make sure that your group does that or you can rely on experts. We would recommend BCAP partners to anybody who's looking to take their organization to the next level. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about private equity, investing in private businesses with Brett Hickey, who's the founder and CEO of Star Mountain Capital. And in the first segment, Brett made some wonderful comments, um, great advice for business owners, but I want to put an exclamation point on one of the items that you mentioned in that first segment. And it's kind of unusual for a private equity guy to preach about uh, keep debt low, right? Normally a PE firm you would think comes in and leverages up a business. That's generally the rap that PE gets. Um, Just for those who are watching and listening to understand just how critical that point was that you made about keeping debt low, Brett, uh, I'm seeing that with, with companies where where they may have had a, a pretty high debt load because money was cheap. Uh, and then during the course of this pandemic, they weren't able to service it. And they've actually gone through some, not only restructurings, but in some cases, uh, ownership changes as a result where uh, the lenders now own the company. So uh, great, great advice that you offered there. Moving on, you mentioned culture. And uh, you talk about, in some of the interviews that I've seen of you on YouTube and other places that uh, there's a higher purpose to what you do and you alluded to it in the the first segment why don't you talk a little bit about that now here
1: yeah it's a good it's a good question dave i i I guess culture i've especially excuse me especially having young kids i've really started to think a lot more about tracing what forms people into who they are and why as i think about how to Try to develop my children they'll uh, thankfully grow up in a, in a different way than i did but there are a lot of things i'm also very thankful for in my upbringing um despite you know losing my mother to cancer at a young age and, and things of that nature which i wouldn't wish upon anybody of course there i developed a lot of grit through i guess a requirement to grow into a a better life Uh, My children uh, hopefully and thankfully won't have to do that, but I still want them to develop grit. So how do you do that? And how do you really think about developing culture? When you get into the private equity world in Wall Street, it's not a dynamic where people are starving, right? So the concept of grit, the concept of being a fiduciary, think about a fiduciary, if you're not loyal to your teammates and your investors, well, how can you really be a fiduciary? Right. To me, some of these questions are just sort of obvious, uh, but I think loyalty, focus, attention, um, care for one another are really critical things. And as I trace that back to my roots, just for a quick thing, when you grew up in a small town where you know a lot of people don't have a lot of money, you share things, you share snow blowers, you share lawnmowers. you share other types of resources with one another. Now, to me, growing up, that was normal. It wasn't abnormal. It's what we all did. My, my dad was a, uh, a principal in middle school and when my mother passed, became a teacher running uh, math and sciences at our high school. And so for us, you know, we weren't starving by any means, but we didn't have a lot of money on a single teacher's salary. Uh, so we, we shared resources with our community. We worked as a community so that we all thrive better together. And so to me, that's always been natural and normal that you help each other, you support each other and you share things. Uh, as I've got into the finance world and a lot of people come in this world from a very different background, I've realized that that isn't normal for a lot of people. So how do you build that culture and convince people that that really is the way to build a business where you focus on teamwork, you focus on loyalty to one another, transparency, honesty, um and how do you motivate those behaviors i think are are really critical so i won't belabor them but i think that business owners should put a lot of time and effort into it in fact a couple things that i did because it's of course easy to say that we should all do a lot but i always like being evidence and data based in our thinking so after working in investment banking having an undergraduate degree from McGill university in finance and accounting and then working as a private investor for a few years, I had a lot of good finance knowledge. I could pull balance sheets apart and income statements and analyze all those kind of things and was good at building financial models and everything else that's critical for the beginning part of your finance career. But as you grow, you really need to become better with people, understanding people, think about negotiation, strategy, culture. And so I said, gee, you know, I've really never been trained in any of these things. How do I get better? Uh, Thankfully, I found a program at Harvard Business School called the Owner-President-Manager Program, where you get to live on campus with approximately 150 CEO or CEO equivalent uh, people for three weeks every year for three years, and you go through a a three-module program that's about analyzing and building your business and building your own kind of talent and capabilities. And given my background, I've always valued culture highly but they made us force rank at the beginning. I always remember this. They force ranked you 10 items, profitability, growth, culture, and other things, and said, well, where do you put them in the pecking order? And and how am I gonna put profitability below culture? So culture was always relevant, but I've gotta be profitable, or what's the the sense of having a culture? So I think I had culture at number six out of 10. Um, When I left the program, it was number one. I really, truly, fundamentally believe if you focus on the inputs, it generates the outputs. Culture is an input, right? It's an ingredient to whatever you're making and developing as a business, and if you can get that right, you need strategy, Right? strategy is critical. If you can have strategy and culture and alignment together as part of that, I think you can work through a lot together as a business, a lot of challenges, and really ultimately thrive. So that's one of the things that uh, really made a big impact to me, and as such, I've continued to be involved, sitting on the global board of uh, Harvard's um, Alumni Entrepreneurs Network and try to give back and coach people that way, because I think as a CEO, culture is one of our most important roles. I know in investment banking, at least back when, when I was there 20 years ago, we had an HR person. We didn't look at that HR person as a strategic leader of our business. We looked at them more in a compliance-like lens to say, okay, well, they're here to tell us what we can and can't do, and we got to kind of stay between the lines. I don't think that's the right way to look at HR. I think HR and talent development is a critical part of the business. And so I took it upon myself as a CEO to say that developing our team and talent and culture is going to be, one of the most important things that i do in my role as a ceo which i continue to do today
0: yeah well anybody who knows me knows that you are preaching to the choir as they say so i I totally get that culture is an important thing for you in running your business and you've achieved some great results as, as a result of that how important is the cultural dynamic when you're looking at making an investment in one of your portfolio companies
1: it matters a lot you're you're partnering with people you're investing in them you're investing your capital your time your reputation and also it's a it's a big impact to our own culture so if our team are working with people that are very abrasive rude non-transparent whatever things are that creates a lot of friction it's going to be pretty tough for them to enjoy their job Right? So you have to think about that cultural aspect and who you do business with. Who are your investors? Who are your vendors? Who are your suppliers? Right? Everybody that touches your business will impact your culture, whether you like it or not. Um, two is that we fundamentally believe that strong cultures attract, motivate, retain the top talent. And we believe that talent is critical for long-term success. Therefore, it is a very big part of our underwriting. It's one of the reasons that is, as we've built Star Mountain over the last decade or so, we've built local uh, people in over 20 cities across America. So we have local people, local insights to meet with business owners in person on a frequent ongoing basis, help find investments better, analyze them better, help manage and add value to them and really build a relationship and a trusted relationship so that people can be open, authentic about challenges that they're going through because all business owners have challenges and we want them to talk about that and be open. And the one thing that inspired some of that learning for other business owners to consider, roughly 15 years ago, I joined the Entrepreneurs' Organization, which I'm not in anymore because I then joined the Young Presidents' Organization or YPO, which I've been in for around 12 years now. And in YPO, there's a few things you do, but the one learning lesson that I'll share with people is there's this independent board concept that's created where you get together with a group of people every month and it's open honest transparent and nobody's sharing information elsewhere so you really feel trusted and boy is that valuable in life so if you can build deep trusted relationships with people so they'll be open with you you get a whole different level of authentic transparency insights so you can help each other better
0: yeah, Brett, we only have just a couple of minutes left here uh, on this episode. So tell the audience again how they can uh, reach out to you and connect.
1: StarMountainCapital.com, our website, uh, info at as an email address. Uh, if you look at other content, our LinkedIn channel, our YouTube channel has a lot of good content and information. Uh, in a pre-COVID world, we were hosting around 100 events. A hosting or speaking at about 100 events a year across the country hopefully we'll get back to that one day i don't anticipate that being uh prior to probably second quarter next year but uh we really are here to help people we love helping build high quality businesses and engaging with great people so please do feel free to reach out to us and we try to be as helpful as we can with uh, everybody
0: great 60 seconds so i'm going to hold you to that time limit here uh 60 seconds or less your journey of entrepreneurship What lessons can you share in these 60 seconds with the folks who are watching, uh, who are entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs? What are some of the lessons that you learned that you would share with them?
1: Spend a lot of time up front researching your right business plan. Stress test that business plan. Understand that it's gonna take more time, effort, and money than you think it will. Always does. Plan for that. Make sure you have your life structured to execute against your plan, family, and everything. I decided to have a family and kids later, knowing that it was gonna consume, you know, seven days a week, hundred hours a week and drive against that and understand you'll have challenges and really think about your
0: culture and reputation. Good stuff. Brett, I wanna thank you so much for joining us on Behind the Numbers. It was a pleasure having you here. Great, Dave. My pleasure as well. Yeah, hopefully we'll have you back again sometime in the future. Uh, We've been talking with Brett Hickey, who is the founder and chief executive officer of Star Mountain Capital, a different kind of private equity guy and a different kind of private equity firm. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.